ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. Radio Network. Hey, what's up, you guys? What is going on, everybody? What up, fam? Hey, it's me. What up, oozes? What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Are you looking for a network that brings you all things pro wrestling? Then look no further. Wrestle Addict Radio brings you a varied source of wrestling content. What's going on, guys? This is Willie T. My name is Mr. Press. This is your resident smart slayer. Search for Wrestle Addict Radio on all major podcast platforms and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy of the Kings of the Ring podcast. And you are listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening. Come join the war each and every week as we fight to keep wrestling real. What's up, everybody? This is King Ricky Rose, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Radio, 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 radio. Do I have everybody's attention now? Ladies and gentlemen. King Kong is climbing to the Empire State Building, but here comes the cavalry! Introducing first, from parts unknown, our resident Mark, Johnny Smart. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Next, coming down the aisle, the unstoppable force, the immovable object, Doc Haas. Haas. I can't help it. That I'm custom made. I can't help it that I look good, smell good, Woo! can't dance all night long. And here is your host, the baby face of podcasting, JC Bowles. You know what? You just made the list. Elizabeth, go right now, go and left. Can I ask you a question, Macho Man? You're listening to the fourth wall wrestlecast. Oops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. Wall. And what up, fam? Welcome to the biggest draw for the critics, the marks, the casual, and the hardcore. Welcome to the Fourth Wall WrestleCast. Check us out right here every Saturday on the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. If you're not already, please give Wrestle Addict Radio a follow on Twitter at Addict underscore Wrestle and on Instagram at Wrestle Addict Radio. I am your host with the most, the babyface of podcasting, J.C. Bones. And as always, I am accompanied here with my good brother, the good doctor who is filling prescriptions for your weekly kayfabe consumption every week. Ladies and gentlemen, the phenomenal Doc Haas. Well, what up, baby? How you doing tonight? I'm chilling, bro. How you living? Oh, so I'm living pretty good. I uh, so for those of you uh, listening in podcast land, it's about uh, let's see, quarter to one 
on early Saturday morning and we're recording nice and late. And it's all my fault. It's all my fault because I got uh, a backstage pass action to uh, the government mule show tonight at Stone Pony Summer Stage. And I got to meet one of my all time music heroes, uh, Warren Ainge. That was pretty cool. And it was also a nice little networking opportunity being that I am a professional musician. <laughs> so it was cool. Cool night. And uh, we had to push the podcast back a little bit because um, Sally Pants over there didn't want to record late on Wednesday night. And, oh, wait, but I'm oh, ready me? to go now. Wait, yeah, me? About you. Sally Pants? Yo, you? bro. <laughs> well, when you're the Wolf of Wall Street, man, you put in some crazy hours. Yeah, I hear you. No, I hear you, man. Crazy hours are what we do. So, uh, and it, luckily, we have a... Uh, we had some big news. When did the news of Bischoff and um, and Heyman drop yesterday? Did that just or dropped Thursday? yesterday. So that was good time. So luckily, we li- good thing we didn't record on Wednesday because you wouldn't have got to hear all the great things we have to say about Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff. Heyman, not surprised. I feel like I even mentioned a few months ago, I even said, like, you know, why not let Heyman take over creative? I feel like that those words came out of my mouth at some point. And maybe not in the podcast, but I know they've come out of my mouth and like, you know, in any wrestling talk when we talk about creative. Bischoff did not see that coming. Not at all. Not it's, gonna, it's actually all. interesting for I wonder what's going to happen to their podcast. I mean, Bruce Pritchard still works for creative and something to wrestle. One of, you know, obviously the probably the biggest wrestling podcast out there has kind of fallen to the wayside for Bruce. They've been doing a lot of best of episodes and Bruce can't make some episodes, so Shivani's on the episode and now Bischoff's going to be doing his thing and that that was like that's Conrad's those are his babies right there. And I wonder how this is going to affect their shows and if we're going to see 83 weeks on the network like we saw something else oh, to wrestle with on the I network. Jared I guarantee you're going to see 83 weeks on the network. That has to be a part of the deal. It's, I don't even think Bischoff even entertains the thought of coming back if 83 weeks isn't on it's the network. Right. Um, I think it's and I think it's cool for Conrad Thompson. I mean, just you have to, you know, for him, like it just gives him a chance to evolve a little bit and have a bigger platform. Um, I, it's it's ironic. Bully Ray or Bubba Ray had a cool little point where he said it's interesting that Vince, the two biggest thorns in Vince McMahon's side in his whole professional wrestling promoter career are, coming are now his two save. biggest assets. <laughs> yep. It's like, he's afraid of me. He's like, Hey, save the day, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Fox isn't happy apparently. And you know, ratings are still down. And I think there's some decent, like, there's some like seeds planted for some decent stories right now. It's just, you know, now we have, I think the right guys in there to grow them properly. Um, I look at say Bischoff, you know, Bischoff, who obviously is the curator of the NWO, arguably the greatest faction of all time. You know, you could put the four horsemen in DX as the, you know, they're the golden three, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, he really did a good job at bringing the the television element to life. You know, what WCW Nitro was really good at when they when the NWO started was that 
The NWO was the top of the card, but Hogan didn't have to wrestle every week. He just had to appear, and he had good promos, and he had meaningful segments that built towards whatever match Hogan had, whether it was Stain or Ric Flair or whomever. You know, that was, and then the undercard was where the wrestlers, the up and coming wrestlers, got their chance to shine. What killed Bischoff in the end was that when some of those guys like Jericho, Mysterio, Guerrero, when they all finally started to shine, Benoit. Benoit, thank you. Thank I knew you. I was you forgetting. Can't Benoit. Benoit. I don't know, Benoit. You're right. And even like you know, kind of the mismanagement of the big show, his in and out of the NWO. All these younger guys, once they were getting up there to the point where they should have been like put into you know at least you know main event feuds, maybe they lost for the title. They never got there, and those guys all left. And when those guys all left, WCW fell apart. Um, Bischoff isn't going to have to worry about that anymore because as long as Triple H is around running NXT. That problem will be completely solved. So now Bischoff can really focus on what he did best. And that's come up with like good creative like TV that people are going to be enticed to watch. NWO was must see TV. Bischoff needs to create that again somehow. Right. Now How we're he does talk that? about. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, go, 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 no, go. I've been go. going for a while. I need to hear what you got to say. Go. Before I get into that, Doc. Well, fam, if this is your first time tuning in, welcome to episode 32 of the Fourth Wall WrestleCast. If you enjoy the Fourth Wall experience, show your support by following us on all social media. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fourth WallCast. That's the number four, T-H-W-A-L-L-C-A-S-T. Well, fam, I hope you are all sitting down because we have a jam-packed show for you. Doc and I are going to discuss all things from Bischoff and Heyman to Seth and Becky even Mercy the Buzzard and Abigail the Doll. Then we're going to take an adventure on the indies, and we're going to talk all things AEW, and we're going to cover this weekend's second AEW event, Fighter Fest. But before we get into today's show, here's a quick word from our good brother, Nate, the effing great host of the Game Changers podcast. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Nate the effing great from the Game Changer podcast. Get ready for a war, because you're listening to Wrestle Attic Radio. And we're back, fam, so make sure you give the Game Changers podcast a follow on Twitter at Real Effin' Game. Now, Doc, let's continue our talk about Heyman and Bischoff. You know, I've been seeing some negative, uh, negative feelings behind Heyman and Bischoff coming back to WWE. I'm seeing a lot of, oh, it's the return of the Attitude Era. I feel like people are not looking at it through the right lenses we're looking at guys like you and myself and a lot of our listeners are looking at this through the creative eyes of people like Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman Bischoff Heyman Bruce Pritchard Vince McMahon Jeff Jarrett these are some of the most creative minds in the world of wrestling and I include Jarrett in there because Jarrett did run TNA okay they're all involved now in the Excuse me, producing and creative process behind the scenes. You also have to include Triple H. I'm sure Stephanie and Shane still have a say, but they have some of the the best creative minds in pro wrestling and sports entertainment in the same room right now. So I'm not looking at it like, oh, it's the return of the Attitude Era because, and I feel like this is Vince McMahon's fault. Vince McMahon brings back a lot of the legends all the time, right? Undertaker right. always comes back. Goldberg mm-hmm. comes back. Sting came back for a, a, a very unfortunate run in WWE. But if you look 
if you take a step back and look at the entire creative of wrestling, wrestling does evolve and it does change with the times, okay? It might take them a lot longer than it should, but they always eventually adapt because they do know change is good. So I feel like Bischoff and Heyman are coming in there with a whole new set of eyes. They've been, aside from Heyman, because Heyman's been involved with only Brock, but not involved with the entire creative process. But he's been looking I know at he, it. Apparently, well, he he does he does get pointers backstage. He does work backstage with the talent. Yeah, but I don't like know almost how like much it seems like a Shawn Michaels creative. role, like an NXT. You, yeah, you know? I don't know how much of a hand Heyman has in creative though. You really never see his name revolving around creative recently, at least. But regardless, right. in that sense, he's been focusing more on managing Brock. So even so, him and Bischoff have been looking at wrestling, at sports entertainment, the WWE product from a different set of eyes, from the eyes of the fan. So I feel like because of that perspective they have, they're going to be going into this with a whole new set of eyes. And I think the creative is going to be the the shot in the arm WWE has needed in the most recent past. Yes, that's what I hope happens. Now, I have to ask you this. At the end of the day, you hire Heyman, you hire Bischoff, you have Richard already, Jeff Jarrett, you all these guys, right? Um, you have Triple H and Shawn Michaels and NXT. It's a great team. At the end of the day, Vince McMahon is still in charge. And is he going to listen to anybody? Well, Dude, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff carried fucking ball sack to fucking, like, tell Vince he's wrong and actually get Vince to believe things sometimes. And now here is my answer to that question, and I'm glad you brought that up. I don't know if you saw it, but I already saw it floating on social media that they're already announcing the, I guess I'll say the debut of Heyman as executive director of Raw and the debut of Bischoff as the executive director of SmackDown, I believe it's the 16th and 17th or 17th, 18th of July. So but those episodes, wait until after July 4th. Okay. Yeah, but they're marketing, they're advertising those episodes with these headlining matches. On Raw, Becky Lynch is going to defend her Raw Women's Championship against Lacey Evans again. Seth Rollins is going to defend the Universal Championship against Baron Corbin again. And guess who's fighting on SmackDown? Bailey is defending the SmackDown Women's Title against Charlotte, which, out of all these matches, all right, I'm okay that's with not, that that's one. Not, that's not the worst booking. Right. That's but not then terrible. Kofi yeah. is defending against Dolph Ziggler again. Again. I feel like this past week was supposed to be the end of those singles matches, which is why we're Should getting the mixed tag match. At extreme rules between Baron, Lacey, Becky, and right. Seth, right? And I think, and I think the mixed tag match was a good way to just get like one more little thing at his feud before SummerSlam starts, right. and so, Seth goes into like the big feud that he's gonna have. So why are that we going be. to put them in the ring again, one on one, on this big Raw? That's I feel like terrible decision. It's, it's a weak start, and I feel like that is a Vince McMahon thing. Right, so why isn't Paul Heyman saying like, "Hey, why are you giving like these people have all had multiple matches recently? You need to switch it up a bit. There's plenty of other talent that deserve right. a shot in the title picture, women and men. Like instead of having that waste of a match between Ember and Ember Moon and Sonya Deville this week, that could have been a number one contenders match for 
either of the women's titles since there's no brand split really, and that could have been one. That could have been your raw title match on this big night. Now you have a new up and coming talent getting a chance to shine in a big title match against arguably the most popular wrestler in the whole promotion. Well, I'm really curious to see how Heyman and Bischoff pull out of this one. Now, this could be a work. They could be trolling us and advertising these four headlining matches, but then the night of, it is live, Bischoff and Heyman come out to get a pop and they change it and give us something that we want to see. That'd be cool, though. That would be a nice little swerve. Right. So that way it'll help put the new executive producers over, not that they nearly need to be over you know, I think it's going to be awesome. You know, Eric Bischoff's theme, which was playing at the beginning of this episode, is I'm back. I cannot <laughs> wait to hear that song go over. The, I want SmackDown to open with that, with, oh, with Bischoff. Yeah, they're both happening, and Raw's going to. When you make a huge personnel change like that, and now you're deciding to write it in the script, so obviously it looks like they're going to be on TV too, then they have to open the show. Like, they have to come out with a mission statement for the show, and they have to present their vision. I think they're at a point where they really have to present what their vision for Raw and SmackDown is going to be to the audience. That's what their first step is. But now, isn't it funny how when. The McMahon-Helmsley regime came back back in January before Royal Rumble. We were the authority. There was not going to be any more authority figures on TV. Now, we're reintroducing Bischoff and Heyman. Are they going to be on-screen characters? I I, I feel like they are, and I don't mind they should be, because obviously, you know, the not having, fine, there's no authority figures on TV, but TV ratings are low, so... Obviously, that's not Shane McMahon working. is in like six to eight segments a week. Yeah, and they're not. And Shane, it sucked because they could be using Shane, right? And they're not. Like, such as, um, who's the, the Elias match this week? Elias faced um, um, The Miz, right? Right. And Why is Shane? Match. Okay, Shane is coming down as Elias's manager. That's cool. Why does Shane need to have his own entrance first? We get it. He's an ego. His character is an egomaniac. But we don't. We, we can cut like some fat out of the show now. Shane does right. not need to enter first and then Elias. Shane can come out and say, ladies and gentlemen, Elias, I'm okay with right. that as his manager. But to have his own theme and to do his little Shane shuffle, like it's just, you're like, it's just too much. You could be using him right. And, and there's certain things they are doing right. Shane can go. Shane's cool, put a Bueller. McMahon's have usually helped elevate rosters and vice versa. When you have the right wrestler, we argued about this last, we talked about this last week with Stone Cold and Vince, how they helped elevate each other, their characters. Like, I think Shane has that in him. I think Shane, I think Shane has that in him, you know, with Roman. I think even the Undertaker thing is a curious incision. The Undertaker has a history with Shane. So Mm -hmm. there's some logic to it. Um, I, Maybe Undertaker. I don't know what, what's Undertaker's long-term reasoning for being back. Like, I want to see a long-term vision for why he's coming back for fucking Extreme Rules. I think this is why. Maybe I'm looking into it too much, but like you said, Shane and Undertaker have a history. Shane never beat Undertaker. Okay, Roman Reigns beat Undertaker and supposedly retired him at WrestleMania 34. Right? Now so, 30. 30. 33. 33. 34 is a Cena match. 
34 was seen. Oh, that's right, right. So yeah. 33. But before WrestleMania 33, whose yard was it? It was Roman's yard. No, no, before before oh, WrestleMania. Oh, oh, I was like Roman won. So I'm sorry. It yeah, was Undertaker's, Undertaker's. It was the Undertaker's yard, right. When, right, Roman, Ro- when Roman won, then it became his yard. Shane McMahon's promo this past week said it was his yard. If they play that story, that makes sense. That makes sense that Undertaker is coming back to help Roman because it's not Shane's yard. It was their yard. It was Taker's first. Roman rightfully defeated him for the ownership of the yard. So Shane can't be saying this is his yard. What if Taker's coming back and turns on Roman? That's where I was going to go. Because I'm saying, like, why does Roman need Undertaker's help to defend his yard from fucking Shane McMahon? Right. And and Roman does not need the rub from Taker at this point. The only person that's going to get a rub at being in this match is Drew McIntyre. So what you think is going to happen is down the line is going to lead to an Undertaker Drew McIntyre. Sorry about that, fam. We had some crazy shit happening outside of Doc's window. We had yeah, to go uh, knock some people out for interrupting the recording. Oh, my God. I fucking dropped the hammer. No, there's some fucking crazy dude yelling out there with a dog and shit. A fucking neighborhood, man. Only in Jersey, guys. <laughs> Only in Jersey. Anyway, fucking so, Doc. So I really do feel if anyone's going to be getting the rub in this match, it's going to be Drew McIntyre. First of all, has Drew ever really been in the ring with Taker before? I don't think so. I'm trying to think. Not, maybe not like in recent maybe history, like not since some like in his first run, he might have like crossed paths with him. Like on right. Like I don't think they ever had a major feud. I, we'd, I'd have to look that up. Like that was a long time ago. If it if they did, obviously it wasn't memorable. You know, maybe they had a moment in the Royal Rumble at some point. I don't know. Right. The Taker was still because in Drew's first friend, Taker was still pretty active. And that was the American Badass Taker too around that time, right? No, 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 no. no. That was like when Taker Sean era. Okay. Drew was adult. She was like early 2010s. American badass. You're going fucking back to the attitude era. Way Drew, back then. Drew was like fucking. Drew was like fucking seven. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but I think that's where this potentially could be going. Maybe that could be Undertaker's WrestleMania 36 match. He puts over Drew McIntyre. Uh, are you? Is it? Does it bother you that it's? It keeps being Taker having to come back and do all this shit. Do you think like it's Taker should be like long gone riding off into the sunset? As much as I want to say that, as long as he comes back and he puts the right people over, I'm okay with it. Yeah, and it can, and it's it's funny you have that view, and I and I kind of in the same boat. I'm just gonna throw something out there, you know, how it works in the industry. It's really successful wrestler has a long career. Eventually, at the end of the career, he starts putting people over. Like we know this, right? That's the right thing to do in the industry. You look at wrestling right now, like the last generation, like that ruthless aggression in the PG era. I guess we'll say ruthless aggression, end of attitude era. A lot of those guys aren't in the ring anymore. Edge had his career cut short. Christian retired relatively young for a wrestler. Even Shawn Michaels, even Shawn Michaels retired like in his mid 40s. You know, like you don't have as many 
guys here to like put people over. Cena's off making movies. You have Orton, but Orton's not ready to start putting people over because Orton's still obviously interested in being a top of the top of the card performer. So AJ Styles just got the WWE, so he's not putting anybody over. Same with Bobby Roode, you know, they're still you know, working their way up against guys like, you know, I guess Rey Mysterio is one guy you could put out there to put the, like the veteran guy that can put younger wrestlers over. But like, there's no, like, I guess big, like undertaker sized guy for guys like Roman and Drew McIntyre. Cause I feel like though know, there should have been somebody in between taker and like where we are now. And that person just, Am I forgetting somebody? Is that person no, that exists? You're not forgetting anyone because this goes back to our conversation a few weeks ago. Who else could take the place? I shouldn't say take the place, but who could fill the shoes of the Undertaker? If no one could fill the shoes of the face of the company like John Cena, who's the next icon that's going to fill the shoes of Taker? There is no one. Hey, man, you know who I actually. It's funny we're talking about this. Um,. I got to view NXT this week. Damian Priest made his debut, and I was pretty impressed with the character, man, and like the whole like what he's going for. He he kind of reminds me of the Undertaker in this weird like not a hundred percent like not like in his weird original sort of way. You know what I mean? Right. Like the character definitely has like this Undertaker inspired like tinge, but it's not. It's a little. F- flashier than what the undertaker was but like the way he moves in the rain like he's he kind of just like i look and i was like dude this could be the guy they've been waiting for to like you know like have that undertaker role because as much as like roman is like the the big dog in the yard like he's more of like the rock role i I think that's what like w or the john cena role not the Undertaker role. Like they see him in the seat. Undertaker putting him over was a huge step for him, but right. that's not. He's not going to be the Undertaker macabre kind of darker character that WWE television has always had and has always relied upon for a successful you know character and a successful storyline. I feel like the, the Damian Priest character is is some potential man and I, 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 I did you get to watch NXT yet this week no I have to go back and catch him on this yeah week. really and, good episode of NXT this week man yeah. great episode the cage match was awesome uh, I'm glad Damian Priest had a good first showing because his only match he's had so far on NXT TV was when he made his debut as Punishment Martinez, Punishment Martinez. and he right. faced yeah. Matt Riddle in a great match because those two go way back as well they've had a ton of matches uh, to, against each other on the indies as well as being a tag team. Right. I was also really impressed with uh, Angel Garza. I don't know much about him, but I really was impressed with his character and the way he portrayed himself in the ring. He was really out there entertaining, and he was you know he was a good wrestler too. And they had a really good match to start this tournament. That that uh, what's the name of? The, I can't think of the name of the tournament off the top of my head. Uh, um, the new NXT. Rising, the winner gets a title Rising shot. Stars. Rising Stars tournament, yeah, it was a, it was a really good kickoff. Like it had like for me, it had like May Young Classic sort of vibe to it. You know, up and coming talent. They did the whole who they are and where they come from type thing, and it was really cool. I enjoyed it. And they also last week in the previews put the old their old like independent names underneath their new WWE names in last week's episode of NXT, not this week. Okay, so like. 
you know, the viewer can know like, oh, okay, it's this guy. I've read about him before, you know, on dirt sheets or whatever. Right. So I like it. Once again, NXT doing the right things. And I hope WWE, you know, hope Heyman and Bischoff can like notice, notice these things and implement them into WWE television along with their, like what they're best known for and what they're best at. We've talked about a lot of new signings to NXT over the past few months, and we're finally going to get a chance to see them on NXT TV. I think the whole Rising Star Tournament's a great idea to start showing some new faces and see what the future of NXT is going to be like. Another thing that we got to see this past week, some new faces live at Raw and SmackDown were Mercy the Buzzard, Abigail the Doll, Huskus the pig, <laughs> and that damn squirrel that I always forget his name. Uh, oh, um, oh, I don't know the name. I forget his name. But, dude, I really like how they're doing this. They're making it so subtle, and I yeah. think this is that slow burn that is done well. Like we talked about it last week. Yeah, man. Kind of getting annoyed at the vignettes. And I think nine was a perfect number because everything told a story. Everything helped develop. Now, we didn't even need to see Bray Wyatt. All we saw were his puppets pop up in the back of these backstage segments. Said nothing. They just happened to be there looking around. So fucking awesome. Well done. Production was done great. Timing was perfect. I love it. I just cannot wait for Bray Wyatt to make his debut. Also this week... Did you notice that someone finally knocked on Alistair Black's door? Right, and I know where you're going with this, and I know where I think a lot of people's heads are at with this. And, you know, if that's what it is, that's what it is. Um, I am still of the belief that if Bray Wyatt, after all this build, comes back and enters into a mid-card feud with a guy who should be getting wins right now, also Aleister Black, mm-hmm. you know, like for his like career, I just think it's a waste of this build. I think Bray Wyatt needs to come in and immediately be inserted into the top of the card. If not in a feud against Kofi, in a feud against at the very least, like Randy Orton, you know, like we suggested right. before with the, yeah, something, something along those lines. You're right. As much as I was saying I would like to see, of course, who wouldn't want to see Bray Wyatt or The Fiend take on Aleister Black? I think they put on a great time. I think the timing, yeah, timing for that to happen now is not the right time because you can't have a re-debuting Aleister Black and a re-debuting Bray Wyatt feud because one of them has to lose. And no matter what anyone says, whoever takes the first loss has that scar on their career. You want them both right. to return and look strong. Put exactly. them with someone that could afford a loss. Right, right. Absolutely. You just nailed it. And it's just a waste of this build. It's the most interesting thing on WWE TV in terms of creative. Like, put, put it at the top of the card. Screw it. You know, it's not like Bray Wyatt needs to, like, have a mid-card run. Like, he's been here before. He's done it. He's this isn't he's not like he's like an NXT call up. He's returning from injury and a long layup so he could redevelop his character and have a nice fucking impact on his return. Well, you know, like I said, Mick Foley returned. He returned to the top of the car whenever he came back. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever Stone Cold or The Rock came back, when The Rock comes back, he comes back to the top of the card. So if you need to start establishing top of the card, top card guys, I think Bray Wyatt has proven he can be a top of the card guy. He's a unique character, all his own. If given a chance to actually win some fucking big matches, then you fuck 
fucking now's the time. Go for it. Yo, Do okay. it. Can I fantasy book Alistair Black real quick? So the person sure. knocking at his door is Rusev. This is where they repackage Rusev. They don't change his name. They don't give him a whole new gimmick, but they repackage him to be a monster that he was meant to be back from his NXT days. He comes in. He's the one knocking on Aleister Black's door. Put them in a feud. Let Rusev win the first few matches. I'm sorry, not win the matches. Aleister could win the first few matches by DQ, but let Rusev look strong. Let him look really strong where he really pummels Aleister Black and then give the baby face that feel-good moment at the end of the fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth match. You could have this. You could do some long-term storytelling here and, again, help to build that mid-card. Now, if you're doing this, are we effectively breaking up the Rusev-Nakamura team? Or can Rusev and Nakamura... Or well, I'm saying, but or can or Rusev and Nakamura are they able to still work together and have a match against you know say Aleister Black and Finn Balor to I'd be fine help with that. continue the feud without getting right. the same matches every week, thus making the one on one event of um, one on one match aspect of the feud stale. You could put them in a stable with some other stars like Andrade mm-hmm. or something like that. But I, you could do it. But I think because we saw Nakamura show up this week, finally, after weeks of him not being on TV, looks like he's going after Finn Balor in the IC title, which is a fucking dream match and a half right there. <laughs> I have a I have a problem with them doing this match at Extreme Rules instead of SummerSlam. Well, has it been announced for Extreme Rules yet? If they're teasing it now why would they not announce it Finn wasn't on the last pay-per-view so it's it would make no so you got to get him on this one right yeah you can get, you <laughs> can get him on this one in a rematch against Andrade since Andrade yeah, and him I would rather yeah, I would rather like the the first Finn Shinsuke WWE match right this would be the first one yep that should be on a huge card right that should be on one of the big four you could for save the first it for time. SummerSlam or make it a triple threat. Him versus Andrade versus Balor. At SummerSlam? Yeah. Or at Extreme Rules? No, I think at Extreme Rules, have Balor and Andrade have a rematch, since they haven't okay. had a rematch since the Saudi Arabia show. Have Nakamura interfere, so um, Andrade wins, but Balor retains the title by DQ, and then you put the three of them in a match at SummerSlam. Uh... Okay. Triple threat ladder match. Book it. <laughs> but you know you what else? Speaking of Finn Balor, I think this is going to culminate to the Balor Club um, reunion because I feel like with the way AJ Styles has been with Gallus and Anderson lately, like AJ is ready for a heel turn. But I could see yeah, Gallus and Anderson turning on AJ, becoming baby faces, and joining up with Balor again, and the three of them take out AJ. And then Balor and AJ have a feud? Yeah. I have a question for you. This kind of, because AJ's on Raw and Balor's on SmackDown technically. Now we have Bischoff's obviously Bischoff's obviously going to have the Bischoff touch on SmackDown, Mm -hmm. you know, and Heyman's going to have the Heyman touch on Raw. But do you think it's smart to now end the brand split and give no. each of these guys access to both wrestlers? To not, not, and not, I'm saying, I'm, hear me out. Like, if Roman's in a Raw storyline with Heyman, 
that he's off SmackDown. But after he's done with that Raw storyline, maybe he has a SmackDown feud and he's on SmackDown for a bit. And not like, you know, back and forth all the time. Just let them be able to interchange more freely. You can't, I know you have this dream scenario where the brand split exists, but you can't do it when they're on two different networks. You can't do it. You cannot. I just, I'm telling it's business, dude. You can't do it. So just get the brand split out of your head and think about how do we make it work and split it up talent-wise so everybody's logically in a storyline. Each show has a different flavor, and you don't have to give people go back and forth like they have the same show. You have to let stars be able to interchange from each show as they want, but they're only involved in one show at a time. And it's not just a say, okay, you're on Raw for the next year. I and have then everybody's happy. I disagree with you. If they would develop characters the right way and grow megastars like The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Mankind, Big Show, Undertaker, Kane even, those are that's eight of the top stars in the Attitude Era. And there was a lot more than just them. But right. they were and in the Attitude Era. No, they weren't the brand split the that start until two thousand two. Oh right, that was Ruthless Aggression, I mean. Yeah, Ruth's aggression was a brand split. The attitude error was not a brand split. They were on every week. They were on each show every week. No, 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 no. That was definitely before the Ruth's aggression error because no, after the uh, the alliance, the first brand split was two thousand two, right after WrestleMania eighteen. Yeah, two thousand two was still the attitude error. Post attitude error. No, that's still attitude error, bro. If you want, if you want to be exact about it, wrestling historians say. Hmm. Wrestling historians say that the Attitude Era officially ended at WrestleMania 17 in when 2000. Rock. Yes, you're right. Not Hogan. No, no, no. When, no, no, no. When, with the second Austin Rock. WrestleMania 18 was Hogan Rock. Wrestle, apparently, yeah, the time right. between 2001 and Ruthless Aggression was this weird transition period that no one wants to label. Right. Let me give you my opinion as a wrestling historian because that's what I've decided I am right now. I really look at the end of the Attitude Era as like two, WrestleMania 20. Yes, we spoke about that. I we agree with you on that. about this during K-Fabe Classics. Yep. Definitely WrestleMania. Like That's what I really feel. That was when the last nail in the coffin was hit. So you have, if you go by the official record books, you're wrong. If you go by what I think, you have a point, Bones, that like, okay, they did the brand split in 2002 because they had enough talent to do it. And yeah, you can make the argument if they develop talent better, they wouldn't be in this situation. But at the end of the day, there's usually a small handful of mega stars. You know, the John Cena's, the Hulk Hogan's, the Rocks, the Stone Cold's. There's a small handful. And there's just no way in hell you can tell, sit there and tell me that NBC is going to sit there and watch Raw every week and then watch SmackDown and Roman Reigns is only there. Like, this is not going to fly. There's just no way. I, I have to disagree. I have to said. find another way to like keep the brands like distinct flavor, but have every wrestler be like. There's no reason why AJ Styles should not be able to go Finn feud with Finn Balor right now. I have no problem with it. Okay, can I can I bring up a quick point? What's up? We are both talking about a lot of the male wrestlers, but let's think about Becky and Charlotte. Okay. Bailey, Ronda Rousey, who is going to be returning. Let's talk about Io Shirai, Asuka, Kyrie Sane, Shayna Baszler, all the up and comers from NXT. You know, we have a large women's division of some amazing, amazing professional wrestlers. Of course, yes. Let's 
not talk about the, the, the male division. Look at the women's division. You can have Becky and Charlotte that we have already compared the two of them to the Austin and the Rock or the Austin, I guess in this case you could say the Ric Flair of the current era. That they, They're megastars. Right. Right? I, so Well, they're, when I say megastars, I mean like stars outside of wrestling too. No, I know, and we agree, but in, yeah, yeah. The, I should say they're the closest to think, it. I will say I think in due time, you know, they will become like they will, especially Becky. I think Becky, you know, Becky Charlotte, and, and Ronda are the closest three superstars in all of WWE right now to be considered a megastar. Right, maybe, maybe Brock Lesnar and Roman you can throw in there, and you know. The Miz is hustling, but he's not quite a megastar yet. Right. But regardless, though. Regardless. <laughs> even Roman. I mean, is Roman really a megastar? Does anybody know who Roman is outside of wrestling? Some people maybe. Probably. Know he's, it's like he, he doesn't do a lot of like stuff outside of wrestling. Not to no. my knowledge. I've never seen him doing much stuff outside of wrestling. He's no great colleague, greatest actor ever. Regardless, I don't know. I, I still think they could do a brand split. I think now would be a perfect time to to redo the draft, get rid of the wild card rule, and really see where this goes. I think there's an I opportunity think, there. I think the draft is an old idea and it's stale and it's time to move on. So we'll just have to shake it off or shake it up. I mean. <laughs> shake it out. Shake, shake it, it out. Uh-uh. Anyways, yeah. What what I what I do think. Does need to happen to know in regards to the women that you were speaking of, and we've talked about this before too. We'll bring it up again. Just, just give the women their own show. Yes, and listen. Yeah. Speaking of the women, you mentioned it earlier about the uh, Sonya Deville Amber Moon match. I want to talk about some of the women's matches we've seen, and I want to talk that talk about the development of characters in the women's division, and also the growth of the mid card scene. You have Mandy Rose, Carmella, Sonya Deville, Ember Moon. Uh, I would even consider Nikki Cross, even though Alexa Bliss is feuding with Bailey for the title, and Nikki Cross is kind of involved. They she's have involved. a really strong, she's, well, she's involved in that presence, picture. Though. She's made her presence known in that feud, and she's made oh, yeah. herself an asset to that. She's feud. already pinned Bailey what twice. Don't like. That's a problem I've been having with creative recently. All the freaking. T- I think like three champions took a pinfall this week on SmackDown. Yep. Bailey did. Uh, Brian and Rowan did. And I know I'm forgetting somebody right now. Uh, Oh, did Kofi take a pinfall this week? No, he beat. So that was a two out of three falls match. That was a two out of three falls match. Who else took a pinfall? Well, he took a pin, but he didn't uh, take the final pin. pin. I'm trying to think. There was another big match this week that. It was ridiculous that like someone ricochet 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 took a pin this week. That's what it was. Okay, Styles. that was a great right. match, by the way. Great match, but like, why? I don't. This is like a consistent thing WWE does when like they get new like champions. They just book them to lose, and it doesn't make fucking sense. Like, right. what did I just say before? Bischoff and Hogan. Hogan showed up, made an impact every week when he's in the NWO, and he didn't have to wrestle every week. Right. You know, but now we got champions like taking losses to help up and coming talent. It just doesn't fucking make any sense to me, dude. Why is Nikki Cross fighting for Alexa Bliss? That doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. I don't like the character development and the character change in Nikki Cross. She needs to go back 
to the Twisted Sister and just fucking well, unhinged. I, she does her own thing. I feel like that's where this is going. I think this is going towards that's Nikki working. going Twisted Sister on Alexa. I think that's right. where we're getting towards. So I guess I understand like the, the writing behind but just, I don't know, there's just other ways they could have done that that make more logical sense. So just like, I don't you know, know. Nikki just cost, cost Bailey a match against Alexa. I don't know. They're showing the development of the Twisted Sister character. So now we're probably getting newer eyes on Nikki Cross, people who are, don't watch NXT, who weren't, didn't really know who she okay. was or was familiar uh, with her. Yeah. So this is like, hey, okay, we see this, this woman, they're calling her the Twisted Sister, but now they're showing how, why she's the Twisted Sister. So they kind of went, it's almost like you st- we started at episode four, we watched episode four, five, and six, but now we're gonna go back to the prequel and watch episodes one, two, and three. Uh, I, I can get, I get where your head's at. That makes some sense. I like There's that. There's a little Star Wars reference for you. And by the way, speaking of Star Wars, this week on Not Your Mama's Soap Opera, <laughs> DFDC <laughs> Jeff Palacio <laughs> compares Star Wars and WWE. So it's a great episode. Check it out on the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. That's pretty good, right? Pretty good segue. But Actually, you know what the coolest, you know what the coolest start this Star Wars theme is besides the Imperial March. Uh, my boys Tottenham Hotspur always come out to duel the fates. Yes. Is that what's called duel the fates? No, you know what the best one is. It's the the little jam when they're in Tatooine in the club. Oh, the fucking Cantina jam. Anyway, but let's go back to what I was saying real quick about the women's mid card scene. I I know you don't you have your thoughts on the Sonya Deville Ember Moon match, but I actually appreciated the match. I thought it was a good match. Uh, even the match between Bailey and Nikki Cross was really good. Yeah, I enjoyed the match. That match I enjoyed. Yeah, I like, though, how they're really developing all the characters. I really hope Ruby Riot comes back, and I really hope we see Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan real soon. Sarah Logan has been actively on main event. She's actually the one that fucked up Dana Brooke. When, did, you, did you see the picture that Dana Brooke had, like, her eye busted open or something? Oh, no. Yeah, dude, it was bad. They had to stop Ooh. the match. It was like... Oh. Ref, ref put up the X. It was, it was. You got to look at the pictures, man. It's pretty bad. Whose fault was it? Um, she, Dana took a knee from Sarah, so I don't know whose fault it was, but okay. it happened yeah. because of Sarah. But anyway, but I've been reading some. I think the Bleacher Report, and they've been saying, you know, Sarah's been looking. I don't watch main event, but I've heard reports yeah. that Sarah and Dana Brooke both have been looking very good on main event. So I, I want to see what they're going to do now with the former members of the Riot Squad and how they're going to develop those characters. And I cannot fucking wait for Ruby Riot to return. I really hope that her return is like a fucking surprise. And I'm going to fucking mark out, dude. And then it's going to be over for Becky Lynch. I, hope yeah, you know I don't that. think it's going. I don't, okay, that's, that's cute. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be the surprise you think it is when she goes back. I think she's going to get the full thing that. Back, like vignette treatment and the videos. And speaking I of promo, okay video, with that too. Dude, speaking of promo, like videos, like hyping. What do you think of these Ali videos, man? They're pretty intense, and I, dude, I like them. I like them a lot. Man. I like them a lot. Like it's, it's some. I feel like that's like some like that character is more like I'm starting to see the real Ali a little bit. You know, like not like that silly ass mask he used to wear. 
Like, like I, I'm really interested to see. I'm pretty sure he's still going to wear the mask when he comes back. Yeah, I, now, I don't think he. I, now, I think he's. I think he's going to look a lot different when he comes back. This seems like a completely a, a big. It seems like an evolution. I don't think he's going to look exactly the same. I think it's going to be a little more serious and less superheroish. I don't know. I feel like he has a lot going for him in terms of his um, his relationship with a lot of the younger fans. Uh, I remember seeing a tweet yeah. in the past few months where there was a, I think it was a girl who was a patient of cancer and fighting cancer, and she saw the mask that Ali would wear, and she made her own. But long story short, Ali then ended up going there, sent her one of his uh, masks, autographed it, blah, 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 whatever the story was. It was a great story, but I feel like that mask helps him connect to the audience, and he has yeah, a big fan base. But, but it seems like this character that he's developing with these these vignettes is like... That's connecting with me a lot more, and I feel like right. that would connect with kids too. It seems like it's very inspirational, you know. And I don't know, like, okay, he doesn't have a mask to give away anymore, so that's cool, you know. And then he gave away mask when that was his gimmick, and he's moving on. Like, I feel like the whole idea of the superhero gimmick is one of the things that's stale in pro wrestling like this right. super super like oh yeah look at me i'm ali i wear a mask i'm a high flyer blah 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 i think i don't think that's as over as it used to be and even if it is like like that's ray mysterio's thing like right. he's he kind of did that the high flying superhero so who are you man what makes you ali what makes you i, I want to see the real you and i feel like we're like i'm he makes me interested like i, I feel like we're about to see the real ali um just want to know your thoughts on that. Do you know that Ali is a police officer in real like life? For, like right now? Yeah. Like he goes to work as like yeah. still? Yep. He's a police How's officer. How's that possible? Could He's you possibly be a pro wrestler and be a cop? That's not possible. You can't do both of those jobs at the same time. He's a police officer or Are you sure he's like an, an ex-police officer? Was, no, he's a police officer. And I think his vignette this week with him walking the streets had a lot to do with that. Dude, if he comes out dressed like the big boss man, just give him the oh fucking God. WWE <laughs> title. Just give him the fucking title. Um, that's all I fucking needed to say. <laughs> Biggest fucking fucking troll in the history of WWE. Boom. You, you got us. <laughs> all right, hold on. I'll be right there with the Clay troll. Yo, that Brodus Clay troll pre like baby was the best. He's the monster Brodus Clay motherfucker comes out with the Funkadactyls. <laughs> yes, while also working as a police officer in a Chicago suburb for the past four years. Why? That's insane. Yep, told you. That's insane. Oh, I hope this is part of his. I guess that I mean when that's gonna be part of his gimmick, like this kind yeah. of like, but not like. But it shouldn't be like real talk, real talk, style, like yeah, real talk man. now. Not yeah. obviously not like big boss man, but like you know some maybe some like kind of like Law and Order inspired shit, you know, yeah. you know, you know what if fucking Jack McCoy was a pro wrestler? Yo, he could come out to the Law and Order theme. Oh, that would be the shit. 
dum dum, but a metal version. It's one forty-five in the fucking morning. This must be the shift that Ali works. It's the only way you could fucking be a cop and a pro wrestler and not get fired from each job. All right, Doc. Anyways. On that note, <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna take an adventure on the Indies. We haven't been on an adventure in a while. You ready? Big indie weekend coming up. Are you ready? But first, here's a quick word from the HBIC of Wrestle Addict Radio, our Queen Bee, Kate Murphy. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy of the Kings of the Ring podcast, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. What's up, guys? This is Mr. Monday Morning Mance Chapel inviting you to join me every Monday morning for The Gift of Podcast. I'll give you thoughts on today's wrestling, but I'll also hop in the Wayback Machine and we'll take a look at wrestling's past. And my God, sometimes it gets ugly. Don't take my word for it. Come hear it for yourself every Monday morning on Wrestle Addict Radio. This is The Gift of Podcast. And we're back, fam. Please be sure to go follow our Queen Bee, Kate Murphy, on Twitter at underscore the Kate Murphy. So, Doc, it's time for an adventure. Ladies and gentlemen, now presenting Adventures on the Indies. So glad to be back on an adventure with you, Doc. So let's talk about mm-hmm. AEW and their second annual event, Fighter Fest, coming to us live this weekend. Is, is this an annual event? Did they announce that, or are we just making I'm assumptions? I'm assuming. I, I'm not sure what the make it is. Like, obviously, it's, it's going to be good wrestling. Is it going to feel like a like a like you know sometimes in WWE is like house show specials. Like that last Shield match and that thing they that Starcade thing they did, like is this gonna have sort of that sort of production feel, or is it gonna have like a like a like a TV like or that that classic WCW feel that I felt that Double or Nothing had? I think it's still gonna be that. I that might be their shtick, that might be their thing, or they're just still trying to get the kinks out with their production. We talked about the production issues they had at Double or Nothing. Yeah, they, so they had, had a few. Yeah, to work out. I yeah. would expect no matter what we see with them, it's going to increasingly get better and better. So, what do you think the vibe for? Do you think you know? Like, it's not a it's not a big card. It's going to be only six matches on the main card. No, but there is a buy-in, so there is like a official pre-show. So I guess that gives it more of like a pay-per-view feel. But either way, you know, the wrestling is good to be good. Uh, when you're when you made events, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid. That's going to be. A barn burner of a six-man match, I think. Yeah. Um, do you think it's going to be like? I always feel like maybe you get a contrast in styles within the six-man. You know, you got the 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 tag teams that have been together for the note that know themselves, like the know their teammates, like the back of their hands. They get Kenny Omega is a little more of a technical, methodical worker. So I'm interested to see how these styles all play together in this match. Yeah, in this case, though, Omega has. Uh, teamed up with the Bucks on numerous occasions over the years. I feel like of the three of them, th- that's the best three-person team they have going for them is Omega and the Bucks. 
Of course. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I don't um, know much about the Laredo kid, but I yeah, I'm pretty me sure neither. I, I, AAA. Yeah, I don't know much about him either. Um, anyways, to see how he fits into this match, how uh, how they all how they all kind of fit. In. I said how they all fit in and work with each other, and this was suspected to be the the big match of the night. Now Omega I have a be, question: if Omega, yeah, if Omega and the Bucks ever faced the Lucha Brothers in any sort of way, did they did they do that on the Jericho Cruise? Hmm, I think so. I never saw I any know. highlights. Of Jericho Let's find Cruise out. This, this is why we need Smarky. Yeah, we're Smarky. Smarky. Oh, Smarky had a gig tonight. He was pretending Smarky to be what, a rock star. Smarky wasn't. Smarky wasn't meeting Warren Haynes last night. No, tonight. and then and we obviously after his gig, so he couldn't record. Yeah, so he's making us do all the work. <laughs> That's fine. The show's better with it when he's not here. <laughs> all right. So since Smarky's not here, I'm looking up the Jericho Cruise and seeing if they fought. Let's see. I know they were all on the cruise. I was trying to remember what the card was. It was so long ago. Wasn't it the Bucks of Jericho versus Omega and someone else and two other people? I know they were all in a six-man together. I just don't remember, you know, who who was on what team. This is what's, like, confusing me. Yeah. I want to see if they've done this before. There's yeah. actually a Wikipedia page for this. <laughs> Hopefully we can find it before it's too late. No, it was Kenny Omega, Cody, and Marty Skrull versus Jericho and the Young Bucks. So Bullet Club That's versus right. Alpha Club. They, okay. They, okay. I got it all put together. Okay. Um, so that wasn't too long ago. It's kind of – now let's throw a little possible criticism – AEW's way. I know you said Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson have teamed with Kenny Omega before, right? But most recently they were going against Cody Kenny Omega. Different promotion, different thing, different set of rules. Is that okay? I think so because okay. they're they're no longer with New Japan. I think right. that that, that storyline's been done and over with ever since before Wrestle Kingdom, and now that they're all in AEW, that that's long gone. I'm I'm excited for some of these like like I like these pairings, but because I'm not as familiar with the TV that has come with these pairings, like you know I've never watched these guys like you know like we watch WWE wrestlers, so I'm excited to finally watch like some AEW TV and get to know Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks a little more because you know I mean I. You know, I remember seeing the Young Bucks in TNA a little bit years back, and but I don't, I've never watched New Japan consistently. I don't have New Japan World. I don't have Access TV. Right. I don't even have TV. I'm poor. Well, the good so. thing is we get to watch this live <laughs> on Saturday, June 29th on the Bleacher Report. It's going to be streaming live for all yeah, our viewing pleasure. Live and free. Live. Oh, did I mention? I didn't mention free. No. Hey, man, I if freeze free. for you, freeze for me. Which also makes me think, like, is it going to have a little house show feel? But whatever, we already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the other, what I consider the other really big match on the card, and that's the official in-ring debut of John Moxley in AEW, mm-hmm. taking on Joey Janela. Um, obviously, Moxley has to, I think, has to win this match. You know, this is being this. billed as a non-sanctioned match. So, do you think we're going to get see real? 
yeah. shades of the old school CZW John Moxley with like the death match vibe. Yeah, I think shit's gonna get real. Shit, shit's gonna get real in this match. Like you, it's gonna be violent. It's gonna be fun, and obviously, Moxley has to win. You know, he's being positioned as one of the major faces of the company. You can't have him lose this match. Right. We got Cody taking on Darby Allen. Um, Bones, do you know a little about Darby Allen? Tell me a little bit about him in, I, in your experiences of watching. I've honestly <laughs> never seen him, but I do know he is a big name um, in Evolve. He was a big name in Evolve Wrestling, and I do know that he has been considered the potential signing that Triple H let get away. Okay. Okay. I've heard Darby so Allen so could be the that, next big that, thing. Uh, so with that in mind, he's he's getting a match against you know he's essentially getting a match against the boss, right? Uh, um, does he beat the boss? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like it'd be smart for Cody to take. There's a part of me I think Cody should take an L here. I thought this became it. No, no, no. The late the Dustin Rhodes is the next one. That's right. Um. I almost think it wouldn't be a bad idea for Cody to take an L here. It's not. It wouldn't hurt Cody. Yeah, but it would even, if dirt, even if it's a dirty, even if it's a even if it's a dirty L, right. or even a DQ loss. You know, Brandy gets involved somehow. Right. Yeah. He's definitely. It's he's definitely. Help Darby he comes, and yeah, make he, him like Cody comes off of AEW too, or one of the top the top guys. Right now that he's Cody's definitely. Signed. Cody's definitely been a heel too. He's coming off and, and portraying himself as a heel in his matches with AEW or at all in so far. So it would make sense if we're positioning Darby Allen to be a big face of the company. Uh, moving on, Hangman Page, MJF, Jimmy Havoc, and Jungle Boy in a fatal four way match. Doc. Yes. Do you know who Jungle Boy's father is or was? No. Oh. The 90210 actor Luke Perry. Oh, you know what? I remember seeing something like that this week. Yeah. Wow. I just heard that recently. Rest That's in a true statement. Perry. Yeah, it's a true statement. Wow. That's the father of Jungle Boy. Never knew that. Wow. This is an interesting tidbit of information. I wasn't a big 90210 fan growing up. The show was a little too girly for me. Yeah, see, I never watched it either. But I knew Luke Perry. Luke Perry was in some great shows. He was in that show Oz on HBO. I never fucked with Oz too much. I I heard Oz is good. So good. I have them all on DVD, bro. I'll I'll let you borrow my DVD box set. Uh, I can watch whenever. I got HBO Go. I can watch (laughs) that whenever I want. (laughs) But but this is going to be a really good match. And I I think Adam Page is going to be victorious because it's going to help. It's going to make sure that he looks strong leading into All Out when he faces Jericho for the title. And I think this match might get a little bloody, too. It might get a little nasty. Well, when you have Jimmy Havoc involved, it very well. Right, exactly. Exactly. And, Uh, you know, speaking of titles. Sorry, go ahead. uh, Sorry to cut you off there, Doc. Uh, speaking of titles, though, we're also going to have a, a three-way tag team match. We're going to have the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta, taking right. on SoCal Uncensored. It's going to be Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian versus Private Party, which is Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn. I don't know much about Private Party. I do know they made their debut at Double or Nothing when they interfered in the tag match. Uh, everyone knows SoCal Uncensored. 
and best friends are also uh, another great tag team from the Indies. But they're going to be facing in this three in this three way tag match as a part of the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament. The winner of this match has an opportunity at a, a first round bye, which is going to culminate at All Out. So I don't know how long the tournament's going to go for and how many more teams are going to be included. I wonder if the Lucha Brothers will be in this as well. But they're introducing uh, some more just, titles, so I'm pretty excited about that. So explain. I'm a little confused at the wording of this. So the winner of this match mm-hmm. at, at Fighter Fest earns a shot for a first round bye in the tag team title tournament. At all that. So they're going to face another team that's yet to be unnamed at for all a first out, round bye. Winner gets at first all out, and the, and the tournament I guess is going to take place on TV. Once the new show starts, uh, that would make probably the most sense time-wise too. Uh, Maybe have okay. the finals of the tournament on the first episode of Dynamite. Maybe I'm I'm relying on you there for to deciphering that correctly because I wasn't quite sure Got what it. all that shit means. But uh, I'm going to take your word for it, and I'm also going to. I wouldn't be surprised if the new guys win from the way they debuted. They came in and like caused freaking havoc, man. Maybe. Yeah. They win this match, private party. New guys to me. I'm sure they're not new to a lot of listeners out there. Um, would not be surprised. I think that would be like an, you know, a cool way to book it. But you know, it's weird. I don't. You don't because there's nothing. There's no TV and there's nothing to base on. You don't know where booking like creatives' heads at at all. So it's hard to get a gauge of what direction they want to go in until you know weekly television starts, right. which is exciting because you don't know what's going to happen. But it makes it hard for these situations you talk about who you think is going to win a match because, you know, there's really nothing to go on outside of a few episodes of online shows. Right. And speaking of AEW TV, I've actually heard that it might not be Tuesday nights. They might actually take Wednesday nights. Yeah, I heard, heard that, too. Um, it was something to do for Tuesday and Wednesday night dynamite. Well, they just and they just got the Wednesday one. Apparently, the issue they're going to have with Tuesdays. Is that that's the uh, NBA is looking to make that their uh, a TNT night, or TNT wants to make that their NBA night. And as much as we love pro wrestling, it's not going to be often. I think where they're outdrawing LeBron and right. AD, just like destroying the KD less and Clay less Warriors next season. Well, it's good that they're preparing for this now, and they took all the right, made all the necessary steps. Right, sure they they're had the, the, the two nights covered. Yeah, they're thinking ahead and they're making sure they have all their bases covered. Yeah. So uh, another match happening at Fighter Fest, uh, inconspicuous by his absence from SoCal Uncensored, is Chris Daniels because he's going to be facing Sema from OWE in a one-on-one singles match. Which uh, I knew this was going to culminate to this with the way they challenged each other at the double or nothing presser, and then how they had the six-man tag at double or nothing right so i'm looking forward to seeing this match again i want to see sema in a singles match because i heard that he is like the john cena of owe and chris yeah, that was really- is one of the sorry to cut you off again man yeah actually no sorry you cut me off Anyway, Chris Daniels is like one of the unsung heroes, man, in the world of wrestling and very underrated, but he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Absolutely. And he's been one of the best wrestlers in the world for a long time. And I was really impressed with those OWE wrestlers 
So yeah. I'm looking forward, like you said, to now see one of them in a singles match. And not even one of them. He's Seema's apparently the guy in that promotion. And it's it should be a really fun match and hopefully a coming out party for Seema for um for indie wrestling fans yeah. everywhere. And you know, and wrestling fans like myself who keep an eye on the indies but don't get to watch as much indie stuff as I would like. Like it's it's very cool to get to see this sort of cross promotion, right. and I'm sure this doesn't help. This 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 helps with uh, AEW's presence in China too. Yeah, which is I agree. a really big country, by the way. A couple yeah. billion people over there makes sense to Just tap into that market. Billion. A couple billion people over there. Yeah. Uh, real quick, before we go on to another match, I want to go back to the tag team division. This sure. reminds me. LAX, one of the best tag teams right now on the independent scene, is coming to the end of their Impact Wrestling contract. Do you think this would be an opportunity for LAX to enter themselves into this tournament and put them in a match against the Lucha Brothers or the Young Bucks, where they've all faced each other at one time? Well, if that's the road LAX wants to go down with their career... And by that, I mean not go to NXT. Right. Um, they want to go AEW. Then, yeah, it makes absolutely sense. You know you know the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. You've tinted at it before. But they definitely, you can't have a tag team tournament, make it your first big tag team tournament for your tag team titles and not have your two biggest tag teams in it, right. which are undoubtedly the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. But adding LAX to that mix, I mean, that just... That just spices up the pot, baby, right? Those are three of the top tag teams in the world of wrestling right now. And while NXT is a good alternate, I think for tag team stars, their best bet is to get out of WWE and do their thing on the indies. And they should all a promotion like, like AEW. Tag teams should be allowed to sign like contracts to work in NXT, and then when their time with NXT is done, they should be allowed to leave and go work in the Indies again. Because <laughs> you know, you know, you know, they're gonna get lost and miss misbooked when they're on the main roster. Because once, like we said, once again, the the tag team, the NXT tag division is like awesome again. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's funny to see like you know, there's a home for LAX and NXT, but not in WWE. So that being said, they need to go where the money is and where they're going to be used right. And when you know the Young Bucks are calling shots, the tag team wrestling is going to matter. So AEW is the place for them. AEW is the place for going to be the place for a lot of wrestlers. Uh, in, in the near future One of them is going to be a good place For a lot of women's wrestlers too uh, because They also just announced Brandy Rhodes announced They're going to be introducing At All Out The AEW Women's Championship Now they already have A, a number of top name Female stars from around the world Leva Bates, Kylie Ray, uh, Riho, Yuka Sakazaka Karma no, I'm sorry not Karma What do they call her? Awesome, awesome um, Kong. Thank you, Awesome Kong, um, Aja Kong. Uh, the list goes on. So, at Fighter Fest, Kylie Ray is going to be facing Leva Bates in a singles match. It's going to be great to start seeing these women in A and W, and start seeing who the top contenders are going to be for the uh, AEW Women's Championship. They are, yeah. I mean, I. When you say debuting at 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 all out, are they gonna have like a match and the winner? There's been the no details. Oh, okay. All they says that they're going to be debuting the the belt at right. all out. 
another women's match on Fighter Fest is a triple threat. Nyla Rose, Rio, and Yuka Sakazaki. Nyla Rose, man, she's gonna be fucking she's gonna be a beast in this division. Yeah. I think she had that she's gonna be the monster of the division, uh, when all said and done, you know. With no, you know, with all respect to the uh to the Kongs oh, sisters. The Kongs, right. <laughs> to the Kongs. You know, but you know, they're obviously older and their time has passed and it's time you know, they're I think they're gonna end up putting over a Nyla Rose type talent right. when all is said and done. I think that's probably the main reason why they're there. That and the, you know, obviously for the, the payday, I'm sure it doesn't doesn't hurt. Right. All right, Doc. Well, I think that was all the matches we have at Fighter Fest. Oh no, there is one more match. Yeah, it's a hardcore one more buy in match. Michael Nakazawa taking on Alex Jabali. Do you know anything about Alex Jabali? Can't say I and all I know about Michael Nakazawa is that everyone hates Michael Nakazawa. <laughs> this ought to be it's ought to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's like his gimmick. Everyone hates Michael. No, no, Nakazawa. I said it's, yeah. it's ought to be interesting in a hardcore match. You know, um, I said I don't know a lot about either, so I'm yeah. going to learn a lot about him. Yeah, this, and I'm looking forward to fighter. it. So, looking forward to absolutely. That's Fighter Fest. Again, it's going to be coming to us live Saturday, June 29th for free. Bleacher Report Live. Check out their streaming service to watch Fighter Fest, which is going to be the second event under the AEW banner. What up, Ooses? This is DFDC Jeff Pomaggio of Not Your Mama Soap Opera, and you're listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Tell me, which of these dweebs is involved in all these tweet wars that you like to inform me about? Oh, man. So, after Stomping Grounds, Seth Rollins tweeted something to the effect of best wrestling on the planet. Right. That made, made my news feed. That made my Google feed. I saw that. And then Kazuchika Okada replied, best wrestling on the planet, period. And then Tamatanga replies best wrestling on the galaxy period and then roman reign replies and then it just grew into this whole thing and then there was this these tweets going out about who's the best wrestler and seth rollins is the best wrestler and then will osprey gets involved going uh breaking news will osprey has wrestled more matches than seth rollins then baron corbin chimes in and goes breaking news baron corbin wrestled more matches than will osprey um, in other news, who the hell are you? Or how co- I never heard of you, or something like that from Baron Corbin. It's like, it's very entertaining. Is it a work? Is it a shoot? I think it's a little bit of both. I think, you know, if you're WWE or AEW upper management, you're looking at this, okay, they're creating social media like activity, and there's a huge part of our fan base that's into that. And they're into like, you know, look at it. The problem with it is you can't really go anywhere with it. It dies after the tweets. Unless unless some fucking sort of crazy miracle happens and Tony Khan and Vince McMahon come up with a fucking way to cross promote their promotions and do like a fucking winner take off and which I think you're gonna see Satan prancing down, prancing into heaven before that happens, man, okay? Like there's just no effing way to So it's fun to do. It's fun for debate. These guys all know each other. 
super chill with each other. Seth even called out uh, John Oxley, you know, saying, you know, this guy said this, even though he made such a big name for himself here in WWE. So he took his ball and went home, he said. He took his ball and he went home, right. You know, so obviously, I think it's a work in that sense, but it's also a shoot because they're not on TV, so they can, you know, they probably have the reins loosened up a little bit as to what they, I mean, obviously the reins are loosened up, they're interacting with each other, and they work in rival promotions. So, it's a little bit of a work, a little bit of a shoot in my book, and my problem with it is, there's nothing can come of it. There's exactly, thank you, there's no yeah, end result, because yeah. you yeah. know Okada is not going to come to WWE for a one-off to take on Seth Rollins, or vice versa. Right. This isn't the territory system. Seth Rollins in the Battle of the Super Juniors in New Japan. It's not going to happen. Right. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. It's not 1960. It's not 1967 anymore. Right. WWE isn't sending their talent to other promotions anymore. Right. Like all this that's, is, those is, days are gone. This is more clickbait for the dirt sheets. That's all it and, is. It's, it's clickbait for dirt sheets, unfortunately. And you know what? That's what it becomes. Unfortunately, all it is is just wrestlers who know each other that are friends with each other having yeah. fun. Yep, that's that's really what it is. They're just having fun with each other. They're hyping their game. They realize what's coming. They realize what's that's happening in the landscape. You know, look at the first person that answered Seth Rollins it wasn't an AEW guy. It was Okada. Yeah. Because hey, don't forget about us. Don't forget about who the real best wrestler in the world you know is. You know, because he can really make that claim just as much as Kenny Omega and just as much as Daniel Bryan and, and just as Styles. much as Seth Rollins and Seth AJ Rollins. Styles. Yeah, man. You know. Like, there's no doubt about it. Just as much as John Moxley, you know, Okada unquestionably can lay claim to that. He's, yeah, you know, he's, he's one of the top three, top four in the world right now. I I don't watch NJPW a lot. I'm not a loyal watcher, but when I do, I, I make sure Okada's fighting. Yeah. That, that dude is must-see wrestling in the ring. He's a star anywhere he goes. He's got the look. He's got the size. He's got the ability. He's got the charisma. He could be a star anywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that being said, Bones, I think I think, we've, I think said, we've, we've run out of shit to talk about. I yeah. think. I hate yeah, when that happens. Yeah. Well, you know what it does? There's there's a lot of a lot of wrestling. A lot of wrestling, and we're going to be watching a lot of wrestling. I still got to catch up on Stomping Grounds. I finished Super Showdown. Grounds. I finished both of them. I said man, the Goldberg Taker match, like the. Uh, I said I think Ricky said it best in, in, in our in our in our thread with each other in our West Wrestling thread. Nobody'd be talking about that match if Goldberg didn't get a concussion. Oh, of course. Yeah, like it wasn't a train wreck until Goldberg got a concussion. Then it was like, oh boy, Goldberg's gonna die. Right. Well, on that note, fam, if this is your first time tuning in. Thank you for listening to episode 32 of the Fourth Wall WrestleCast. Once again, I am your host, JC Bones. Please give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JC Bones. That's Bone with the Z. Please be sure to give the good doctor, Doc Haas, a follow on Twitter at Dr. Haas 4WC. And I guess you can follow our third man, Johnny Smarks, at Johnny Smarks a lot, even though he was tired tonight. Well, and also, that's what that was. And you, that's what that was. You have a gig. You have to drive all the way back to Georgia to go home. <laughs> yeah, who the hell saw, told him to move all the way out, out to Kansas? No, actually, no. We got. We can't. We can't leave without talking about Smarky's new house. 
Yo, his new crib in the new fourth wall studio is going to be sick. Fourth wall south at Smarky's house. <laughs> um, Bones and I helped him move some stuff around this week. And, you know, really nice place, man. He did well for himself. And and, and, and we had and surf taco. Yeah, surf taco. Um, I had a nice fish taco. Yeah. If you're not from Jersey, but you ever visit Jersey, go down to the Jersey Shore and look for surf taco. You can surf thank me later. Ta- yeah, some of the best like Mexican seafood ever. Yep. <laughs> best way to describe it. Uh, anyway, anyway, fam. Uh, congratulations, Sparky. Yeah, congrats, Sparky, and uh, thank you for the surf taco. Thank you for the surf taco and the other. Thank you for the surf taco and the flowers. Yes, the flowers. Uh, Matt Riddle and RVD would love them. Oh man. Anyway, fam, if you've enjoyed the Fourth Wall experience, please don't forget to follow us on all social media at Fourth Wall Cast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. On Facebook, we don't just have a profile, but we got a page and a group. All thanks to our social media ambassador, Miss Bootiesworth, Jesse J. You can follow her on Twitter at Miss Bootiesworth. If you really enjoy this experience, tell all your friends to like, share, and subscribe and help this thing grow. Grow and grow and continue to be the biggest draw for the critics, the marks, the casual, and the hardcore. Once again, we are the fourth wall wrestlecast, and we are in the fight to keep wrestling real. Goodbye and good night. Bro. That was a cool little twist. Like that, right? Yeah. The only I didn't like tonight. The show I went to it started raining and they canceled the I only got to sing one or two songs in the second set. But you got really a picture with Warren. I did get a, a picture of Warren. He's awesome. Yeah. Touch.
we go to bed. Bro, I'll catch you later. I work in the morning. 9.15 lesson. Woo. Pieces, bro. Let me know, bro. Right, later. Wait.